The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Scary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss... Camel fighting and leaky black. Kyle Boone is here with me. And as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the podcast, we are also regular recording short episodes on various prospects in the 2020 NBA draft. We've already done LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Diddy Avdia, Anyeka Okongwu, Isaac Okoro, Cole Anthony, Sadiq Bey, Trey Jones, Tyrese Halliburton. If you missed any of them and you're interested, go find them. In fact, I tweeted a link to a Spotify playlist early on Monday that should make everything simple for you. So if you've missed any of them, you can find them all there. Anyway, for this episode, we're going to do something a a little different. We're going to get back to the draft profiles next week. But today, we're going to do an actual mock draft all the way through the end of the first round. 30 picks with Kyle Boone and I alternating picks. And since Kyle is technically my guest, I've decided to let him make the first pick. So, Kyle Boone, let's just dive straight into it. The Minnesota Timberwolves are on the clock. You're in charge, so I'll turn things over to you. Please walk to the lectern and announce the first pick. I appreciate you letting me do the honors here. Uh, With the first pick in the 2020 NBA draft – the Minnesota Timberwolves select LaMelo Ball. Um, I'm going with LaMelo. I think he has the highest ceiling of anyone in this draft. Um, I have some concerns, some questions about how he fits in Minnesota alongside D'Angelo Russell and, and Carl Towns. But, uh, look, you're getting, I think, the best playmaker in this draft, the, the player with the best vision. Uh, struggled a little bit last season, uh, making too many flashy plays or trying to make too many flashy plays. But, um, you know, I think, I think in five years we'll, we'll look back and say, you know, he, he struggled a little bit early in his NBA career, but turned out to be the most productive and, and, and the biggest star to come out of this draft. So that's why I'm taking him with the first pick. This is a place where you and I are in, in total agreement. Like, um, I, I do think you could reasonably select three, maybe even four different players, number one overall in this draft. There is not an obvious number one guy like there was last year with Zion Williamson or in 2012 with Anthony Davis or in 2015 with Carl Anthony Towns. Sometimes 2003 LeBron James. Sometimes it's like it doesn't matter who's picking first. Everybody's selecting the same dude. That's not the case here. And so when the Minnesota Timberwolves got the first pick, it, it – it eliminates, I think, one of those three or four guys from contention. That's James Wiseman. Cause if you've got an all NBA center in Carl Anthony Towns, you're not going to take another center with the first overall pick, especially when it's not clear cut obvious. That's the best talent available. So now I'm looking between other guys at the top and uh, LaBella boss, the guy for me. I- I'm with you. It's not a perfect fit. I understand other people's concerns. 
But with the first pick in the draft, mostly, I think you should be trying to find the guy who's going to have the best career. When you look up five years later, ten years later, who had the best career from this draft? And I think on paper, at least, that guy is probably LaMelo Ball. So the Timberwolves select LaMelo Ball. That means Golden State Warriors are on the clock. And with the second pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Golden State Warriors select Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. There was a time when after the lottery order was set, I had James Wiseman going second to to the Warriors. And he might. Uh, we should also note, like, there's no guarantee the Warriors are going to even use this pick. They would uh, reportedly prefer to package it with something else and maybe get a veteran who is better equipped to come in and help Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Green win immediately uh, next season because the Warriors are going to be, if you look at the odds coming out of Vegas already for the 2020-21 NBA season, the Warriors are projected to finish top three in in the West. Uh, you know, They lost Kevin Durant, and they were really bad this past season, but they're jumping right to the top of the sport again. In fact, I personally think they are the biggest threat to the Lakers winning back-to-back titles. So do you want a 18, 19, 20-year-old rookie or a veteran? Maybe a veteran. So if they can do a deal, they might not even pick here. But if they can't do a deal, um, you're looking at uh, Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin, um, some some uh, small collection of prospects. And there was a time where I I went with James Wiseman here. But at, the more and more I thought about it, if we already know one thing about the Warriors is that their best, most effective lineup, the closing lineup, is Draymond Green playing center. Do you really want to use a second pick in a draft on a guy who, if you're trying to maximize what you are in the closing seconds of, of high stakes games, you probably take him off the court and move Draymond there? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I could understand it if they go that direction, but I think instead you probably go Anthony Edwards. He's a big, strong, athletic guard. If nothing else, he's going to be able to score in the NBA. He makes life easier, I think, for Steph and Clay. And he can, early in his career, as soon as next season, at a place like Golden State, come off the bench if you want him to come off the bench and get buckets. And then eventually, you know, develop into, you would hope, the type of star that can be an all-NBA, all-star thing. And you can keep this Golden State run going even as Clay and Steph start to age a little bit because they're neither one of them 25 years old anymore. So uh, with the second pick, if I'm Golden State, LaMelo Ball's off the board, probably going Anthony Edwards. Yeah, and I, I think that makes sense. And it's interesting, too. I think we can you can look at the two top teams in this draft, Minnesota and Golden State. I would say they're both probably in a similar spot where ideally I think they probably want to trade their pick and and get a veteran who can fit their timelines a little bit better. Minnesota – with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Towns are at a spot where I think they kind of want to win now. I don't think they want to wait and, and bet on LaMelo Ball being ready in five years. Same with Golden State. They, they probably want to bring in someone who can compete right away because, like you mentioned, Golden State is a team that could realistically win the championship next season. The problem with trying to win now in Minnesota yeah. is that everybody in the West is trying to win now. Yeah. And, and, and so who are you better than? Like, you know, like – you know, if you finish ninth or fifteenth in the West, uh, you're in the lottery. It's better to be fifteenth than ninth. Um, so, can you crack the top eight? That's the question, and I'm I'm not sure they can, even if they add a veteran. I mean, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets seem automatic. Jazz seem automatic. 
Blazers probably seem automatic. Um, you know, what are the Rockets going to do? What's OKC going to do in terms of pushing forward or rebuild? The Grizzlies are still, you know, moving in the right direction, getting a little bit older. The Suns look good in the bubble. Pelicans you can't possibly be worse, you wouldn't think, especially if they get a full season out of Zion. So I understand the Timberwolves may be wanting to win now, but like, how can you even get where you want to go? I don't, I don't know that there's a path to win now for Minnesota, which means you might just take highest upside player, um, you know, decide to A, keep that uh, second pick. I mean, keep that first pick mm-hmm. and then take highest upside player, which again would be LaMelo Ball. And hopefully you develop into something a little later on. Let's get to the third pick. Yeah. With the third overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. The Charlotte Hornets select James Weissman, and this is your boy, their Memphis product. Uh, look, I'm a huge Cody Zeller fan, but, uh, if you can upgrade at the center position with James Weissman, you absolutely have to do it. Seven foot one, seven foot six wingspan, uh, just a prodigious talent. And I think he is clearly one of the big three prospects in this class. Um, I'm not totally convinced on him being a superstar, but I think he is a very safe prospect, a guy who's going to be a really good defensive player in the NBA for a long time. And, uh, if the offense comes around, I think he can be, you know, kind of a, a freakish athletic, uh, center who can really change someone's franchise. So that's why I'm taking him with the third pick in this draft. Yeah. I, I think this is the floor for Wiseman. Yeah. I, I know other people disagree. I just don't see how he gets past Charlotte at number three, assuming that he's available. Like, listen, um, there are some concerns here. I, I, I've talked about it enough in various podcasts. Uh, you know, he did become the first healthy college basketball player in history to quit a team midseason, um, to quote, prepare for the NBA draft. And I know that that, um, had, had sparked some questions among NBA people. Uh, like, you know, just a year prior, Zion Williamson had locked up the number one pick in the draft, suffered a knee injury, people actually encouraging him both in his personal life and on television to stop playing amateur basketball and risk nothing else. And he didn't even think about it for a second. He was offended that you would suggest he might because you know, he went to college with his friends to try to win a national championship, to try to, to, to have a legacy of some sort. And so he came back just as soon as um, he could and didn't get where he wanted to go. But the idea that he would quit, it, it didn't even enter his mind. And then a year later, here's James Wiseman quitting week before Christmas um, in a way that, again, sparked some questions among NBA um, a- executives. That said, the, he's a physical specimen. And at some point, uh, you just can't pass on somebody that – looks like him, that runs like him, that jumps like him. Um, he's going to be in the league for a long time. Could be a, a – I, I think he'll be a tremendous shot alterer, shot blocker from the jump. Um, can he develop the type of skill set that you need a modern five to have or you would at least prefer a modern five to have? We will see, and it is true that centers are um, – valued less than they've ever been in professional basketball in this country, but still uh, it's a need for Charlotte. It is. Uh, uh, and then, and then you're also getting probably, I think best talent available. James Wiseman at three yeah. makes, a, makes a lot of sense. Um, let's go to the fourth pick with the fourth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Chicago Bulls select Obi Toppin, the consensus national player of the year out of Dayton. Um, this is higher than some people have him going. 
And I've had him going as high as number two in previous mock drafts. I understand the concerns, or at least I'm aware of what they are, which is that he's already older and to, you know, specifically 22 years old and how much development is left there. That's what you will hear from the people who don't think you touch Obi Toppin in the top four. Uh, my counter to that would be uh, the idea that you can't get better or improve at the age of 22 or 23 or 24 or 25 doesn't make any sense to me. There's a long list of guys in the NBA who have gotten better um, at advanced ages. And so would I prefer Obi Toppin to be this, what he was at Dayton, but also only be 19 years old? Yeah, I guess so. But like, I, I can't change his birth certificate. So he is what he is. And what he is to me is the safest pick in this draft. I, I would probably make him the favorite to be rookie of the year. Uh, maybe his upside, like if you get the best version of Obi Toppin and the best version of LaMelo Ball, maybe the best version of LaMelo Ball is going to be better. In fact, that is what I believe. But the floor for Obi Toppin, I just don't see any scenario where he's not impactful right from the jump yeah. and for a long, long time. You know, six nine, bouncy, athletic forward, led the nation in dunks. And, but he's not just a dunker. He, he shot 39% from three-point range, which suggests he can be a – you know, a, 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 a forward who can sit in the corner and knock down a shot if you need him to obviously get a lot of stuff done around the rim. And if you're playing small ball, he can be your small ball five as well. In fact, he played a lot of that at, at Dayton. And so uh, I, I really like Obi Toppin. And if you're the Chicago Bulls picking fourth here, you can get him. I think you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with this pick. Um, I don't have Obi Toppin quite as high on my own personal rankings, but Look, I, I can definitely see the appeal with Obi Toppin. Uh, just an athletic freak, can space the floor, knock down threes. I don't, I don't think he's quite as good defensively. And I think there's some real concerns there defensively, um, in terms of what he can be in the NBA, but, um, no question, just a super high floor, a guy that's going to produce at a high level in the NBA. So I love that pick at number four. Um, let's go to the fifth pick, uh, the fifth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Denny Avdia. From Israel, uh, Cleveland's gone guard with its last two top ten picks with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I don't think you can give up on either of them just yet. So uh, Avdia can help surround them with some more talent. I think he's a good playmaker, creative with the ball in his hands, a guy who I think could be a role playing wing in the NBA, and I think it, it kind of fits with uh, with what the Cavs already have in place there. You know, obviously, when we start talking about true international players, in other words, uh, non-Americans who have never played in America, I, 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 I label it that way because LaMelo Ball is an exception yeah. to that. We're all familiar with LaMelo Ball. I saw him when he was 13 years old for the first time. I've seen him a lot. Um, Denny Avdia is someone I, I obviously haven't seen a lot, never seen in person. But I will tell you, when Norlander and I started preparing for the podcast that would be focused on him. Uh, he's a really special talent. Like I understand why there are some franchises that think he should be under consideration for, you know, the number one overall pick in this draft. I wouldn't go that far, but I also don't rule out the possibility of us looking up, uh, you know, four years from now and going, Oh, you know, that was Maybe that was the guy who who should have been the first pick in the draft. You know, we watched Luka Doncic, who is a star already in the NBA. And you go back to that draft just a few years ago that he was in with Marvin Bagley and 
uh, DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr. And it, it, there's not a person on the planet who wouldn't take Luka Doncic first overall if we did that draft just a couple years later. And yet, you know, he went, what did he go, third in the draft? Yeah. He goes third in the draft. And um, like obviously there was no consensus about him back then. And I, I wonder sometimes, like, if we'd have watched Luka Doncic in advance of his draft dominate college basketball, would it have been just obvious who you have to take number one? Probably. And the NBA scouts should be better than that. Like, you know, they should be a, able to identify whatever it is they need to identify, whether it's competing in American colleges or overseas. But, like, mm-hmm. people missed on him and missed on him even though he was undeniably awesome. So um, – with Avi, I, I think he fights against that a little bit, at least with the general American public. But man, when you dive into the tape and really watch him, he's a he's a special talent, and I do think somebody who, who probably a, a, a will be a top five pick in this draft. And so him going fifth to the Cavaliers here makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Let's go to this. I, I think there's maybe some question about you know his his uh, competition who he played against. Um, there's probably a little bit of concern of, you know, how, how good of a shooter is he going to be? I think that's probably his swing skill, but, uh, if he, he made some real strides when, uh, when play picked back up earlier this summer. So you know, I, th- I think he's a guy who, who's a very safe pick. And if the shot comes around, I think he'll be a top five prospect. Let's go to the sixth pick with the sixth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Tyrese Halliburton. Out of Iowa State. I believe if you go look at my latest mock draft, which is a few weeks old right now, um, I don't have Tyrese Halliburton this high. Um, but just like when I was talking about Denny Avdia in prep work in advance of the podcast we did focusing on him, Norlander and I did Tyrese Halliburton last week. And so I really dove into the numbers and really dove into the film and really came out thinking I I have him too low. Wherever I have him, I don't have it in front of me. But wherever I have him, it's too low. Um, I, he he's like intangibles off the charts. Like you can't find anybody who's ever been around him or work with him to say a bad thing about him. Now that's not important. I'd rather have a bad, talented guy than a great, not talented guy. But like the intangibles are all positives and important. Beyond that, six five can guard multiple positions. He is a point guard, but he can play off the ball. Mm-hmm. Shot 43% from three as a freshman, 42% as a sophomore. Uh, has added nearly 20 pounds since the end of the college basketball season. So if you're somebody who was concerned about his frame, well, still be concerned if you want to, but just know that he has addressed it already and continues to do so. And so... You put him in Atlanta with Trey Young. He can serve as Trey Young's backup. That's a team need. Or he can play with Trey Young and just give him another shooter on the court. Again, it's a pretty big sample size of three point productivity. Um, he made a lot. Um, and, and, and he made them at a high rate. And so you give me somebody six, five guards, multiple positions, really knows how to get in the passing lanes, is a knockdown shooter, can handle the ball. Like, I really don't know what's not to like about Tyrese Halliburton, and that's why when I update my mock draft, I will have him probably going, uh, yeah, six to the Atlanta Hawks, just like he is right here. Yeah, I'm updating my mock draft today, actually, for tomorrow. So, uh, spoiler alert on that, I guess, keep a, keep a look on the site. That should be up Tuesday, but... Um, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's going to be a top 10 pick. I don't think there's any question. Um, I'm excited about 
him being able to fit alongside another lead guard, I think that's going to be super important to him because I don't know if he's, you know, a, a true initiator. I, like I, I would rather have Lamella Ball obviously as as my lead guard over Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if he's an elite athlete, a guy who can really create space, but playing alongside another lead guard or even like you mentioned, being a backup, I think is, is going to be an excellent role for him and uh, just super efficient on both ends of the court uh, can, can hit the three. And, and uh, I think it's a perfect fit for a team like Atlanta. All right, let's get on to the seventh pick. That's the Detroit Pistons. You're handling this one. Yeah. With the seventh pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes, uh, the French point guard. And uh, look, I don't, I don't think Derek Rose is the long-term answer for the Pistons. I don't think that's, uh, that's any secret. Uh, they, they probably need to address the point guard spot. Hayes is number two on the CBS top 100 big board and uh, just a left-handed killer, great passer, great playmaker. I love his upside. He's still a teenager and um, six foot five. I, I like his frame and, Everything about him, I think, just screams lottery potential. So I would, I would go with him. I think his, uh, his upside is pretty high. I don't think he has the star potential of, of some of these guys we've mentioned before, but again, an- another kind of like a safe prospect who fits a need for the, tr- uh, for the Pistons. And I would be happy taking him at number seven. I'm appreciative of you taking him at number seven because in previous mock drafts, I've had him going eighth to the New York Knicks and they want no part of a French guard. They don't, <laughs> they don't want to deal with it anymore. Just give me anybody other than Killian Hayes. So, uh, congrats, Knicks fans. If that's the way you feel, he's off the board here. He's going to Detroit and now the Knicks are on the clock with the eighth pick of the 2020 NBA draft. The New York Knicks select. Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. He's a really interesting prospect. Uh, you know, sub 100 guy coming out of high school was, I believe, the least heralded prospect in Villanova's recruiting class that year. And yet from the jump, he was clearly the most impactful, uh, played a big role as a freshman, became the star as a sophomore and just, you know, combo forward, six, eight, Guards multiple positions, shoots threes at a high level. Um, really smart player. Like you talk to people who've been around him, high basketball IQ. You know, the Knicks need help basically everywhere, except for maybe center, but like basically everywhere. So why not bring somebody in with the eighth pick who is, you know, that checks a lot of boxes, you know, Good size to play a, a combo forward in the modern NBA is a reliable and proven three point shooter, high basketball IQ winner and comes from a program that has a nice track rec- track record at this point of putting productive NBA players, um, uh, of putting productive players into the NBA. Like, um, you talk to Jay Wright, anybody on the staff, they all have a high opinion of him. Uh, I, I know this is higher than most people have Sadiq Bey going, but I really like him and, and, and think he's undervalued in some of the mock drafts. Yeah, I like this pick. Uh, this is like a prototypical 3 and D type guy who has a ton of value. Uh, he, he plays the wing. That's just an elite spot up shooter. So, uh, I can't, I can't complain. And, and I guess you're welcome for taking the French point guard. So. <laughs> Uh, let's go to number nine, the Washington Wizards. Uh, with the ninth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Wizards select Onyeko Kongwu, uh, from USC, the big man. 
Uh, love Okongwu's potential. He is actually rated above James Weissman on our top 100 board for now. And I, I think that may end up changing, but uh, just a really good defensive player, a good lob catcher. I like his fit alongside John Wall and, and Brad Bill. And obviously he was a massive producer at USC and crafty post score. I think uh, just another guy who who's going to come in and produce right away. And um, again, I don't love taking big men with lottery picks, but I think he's, he's definitely worth it. And especially with what Washington already has in place uh, makes a lot of sense here for, for the wizards at number nine. Uh, another, a little bit like Sadiq Bay, although like uh, Okongwu was heralded coming out of high school. It's not like he was a, you know, like Sadiq Bay was a sub 100 prospect. Uh, Onyoki Okongwu was a borderline five-star guy, but I'll tell you just a few summers ago, it's a really unique event out in Las Vegas where the best Nike grassroots team played the best Adidas grassroots team. They usually don't mix, uh, but there was one clear cut best Nike team, one clear cut best Adidas team. And one way or another, they got them to play against each other. And Onyeka Kongwu was on that Adidas team. It was based out of California, which is where he's from. Um, and I don't even think I wrote a word about him. I, I mean, I might have put his name in the column, but the star of the team was Evan Mobley, who's going to be a freshman at USC this upcoming season. The I, If you'd have told me that night, because it was late at night, if you'd have told me that night I was watching a future top 10 pick, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, Evan Mobley, of course. And they said, no, 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 no. Uh, two future top 10 picks, Evan Mobley and the other big. I was like, I don't know, but he was awesome at at USC. And for people who don't know, he went to Chino Hills um, yeah. High School, which means – and I – Asked Norlander this on a podcast, and I, I don't think, and, and people tweeted, I don't think we ever got a definitive answer. When's the last time two players that played together in high school both went top 10 in the same NBA draft? Uh, one example is Greg Oden and Mike Conley. They both went top four, I think, in, in their NBA draft, but it's a very rare thing. And LaMelo Ball and Onyeka Okongwu played together once upon a time. In high school. So that's another little neat thing about him. I, I like a Kongwu. I don't think if I were ranking centers, I would have him above James Wiseman, but I don't think it's crazy for you to have him there. And if you're trying to argue a Kongwu over Wiseman, the way you might do it is Wiseman is a center and only a center. That's all he's going to be. A Kongwu, I think, can play center or power forward. I think he can play either front court position, which makes him more versatile. And obviously versatility is a very important thing in the NBA these days. Yep. I'm with you. Let's go to the 10th pick in the 2020 NBA draft. With the 10th pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the Phoenix Suns select Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt. Here's another guy who wasn't that heralded coming out of high school, but really, really showed himself to be a legitimate NBA prospect not long after stepping on campus in Nashville. Six five guard, great body, um, maybe the best shooter in this draft. Like, you know, limited sample size in his final season of college because he suffered a season ending injury. But I do think there's enough there to know that you're getting a six, five shooter, like somebody who could just knock down shots. I think from day one in the, you know, from the moment he steps into the NBA, Phoenix is like I mentioned earlier in the Western conference, every Western conference team is probably trying to win. Now the Suns, after what they did in the bubble, it at least suggests that they do have a chance to win now and maybe make the, 
Western Conference playoffs in 2021. And so why not add more shooting? Like there's not a team in the NBA that, that couldn't use more shooting. And so if you've got a six, five guard, who's maybe the best shooter in this draft available to you, I just take him right here and feel pretty good about it. Phoenix Suns take Aaron Naismith. Aaron Naismith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm the Suns, I'm probably looking at maybe a point guard. Um, yeah, I think, I think their wing depth is decent, but yeah, someone like Neesmith who shot above 50% from three last season, it's pretty impossible to try and pass on that. So I, uh, I will not dispute you on that. Number 11, uh, the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs are on the clock at number 11 and they will select Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Uh, just an athletic Marvel three and D type player who, can't really hit the three very well, but um, very interesting abilities as a creator on the ball. I love what he brings to the defensive end of the floor. I think he can guard multiple positions. And, um, you know, the NBA now is is all about multi-positional defenders and how versatile you can be. So I think Okoro is a guy who is probably a longer-term prospect, but the Spurs are, are, are known for their development. And I think Okoro is a guy who, with the right development, can be one of the most impactful wings to come out of this draft. You know, you mentioned development. I, I think that's so important with most of these guys. Like some people would just be great wherever they land. Like LeBron James could have been drafted by Cleveland or it honestly, it didn't matter. He was always going to be LeBron James. Yeah. Kobe Bryant was always going to be Kobe Bryant. Th- there are those types of talents. And then there's other guys where, uh, you know, I like, I don't know if Tyler Hero is Tyler Hero if he gets drafted by somebody other than Miami. You know, I, I don't know if Fred Van Vliet is Fred Van Vliet if he spends the early part of his career somewhere other than Toronto. And when you are talking about franchises that have a pretty good track record of taking not the sure bet, can't miss guys, but guys that I mean, we talk about lottery picks like they're all guaranteed to be great. I mean, like, we're going to go through this draft, and we're going to be like, oh, he's going to be terrific. Oh, I really like him. And we'll look up in three years, and half these guys will be nobodies. I mean, that that is the nature of the NBA draft. But what what which franchises can take these guys that could go either way and have a pretty good hit record of making them into something? The Spurs are one of those franchises. Yep. And Okoro, I just think, is perfect there because he also seems to be about a lot of the stuff they're about. Like at Auburn, he was their most important player. And, you know, Auburn was humming along pretty good. The efficiency numbers weren't great, but they were winning. They were just winning games and winning, winning, winning. Okoro goes out. They – I think lose three or four, like immediately he comes back, they get good again. I remember people, cause I got to do this stupid top 25 and one every morning throughout the season. And Auburn goes through that little rough stretch. And it's like, Ooh, what's, what's wrong with Auburn? Oh, you mean what's wrong with Auburn? Their, their most important players not playing. Like this is what happens to college basketball teams. He impacts winning, um, takes pride on the defensive end of the court, seems to understand uh, team defense in a way that is unique for somebody his age. And so he just seems like he'd be perfect in San Antonio. They'd be lucky. I'm not sure he'll slip all the way to 11. He did yeah. here. I don't know that he actually will on draft night. We'll see. But if he's there at 11 and they take him, it's a, it's a good match. Spurs get a, a player who impacts winning and Isaac Coro gets a franchise that um, will probably develop him um, properly. Let's go to the 12th pick. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Devin Vassell out of Florida State. And before I talk much about him, 
I, I want to ask you about this video that surfaced. I guess it was last week. I believe you wrote about it, but there's a 20 second video of, of Vassell shooting and he's cocking the ball. Like he had some questions about his mechanics at Florida State, even though he shot a good percentage. Then this video surfaces and he's cocking the ball behind his head. Um, now the ball's going in, but it still looks weird and it's not encouraging. Do you think that's real or was that him just like sometimes? Okay. So like my kids got a basketball go right for my little guys. And like, I know how to shoot a basketball. I'm not pretending I'm good, but I know how to do it. But then every once in a while, I'll just grab it and just throw it up there. And you know, I'm just goofing around. Was that really the way Devin Vassell shoots or was he just goofing around? That is, so I, you, I did write about this for CBS sports. That is not the way he shot last season. <laughs> no. Um, it's similar. Uh, he does have a, you know, kind of a above the head release, but the video that you just alluded to was 20 seconds. It showed exactly two shots, both of which looked like a parody. It, it looked fake. I thought it was a joke. And in fact, I'm kind of hoping that it was a joke because he cocked it back so far behind his head. And I actually screenshotted it when he was at the top of his release, his body looked like a C. It was just crooked. <laughs> and I, I can't believe that it's real. I'm hoping that it's not real. And I'm trying not to overreact, honestly, but I'm glad you're taking him off my hands at number 12 because I think I would just keep passing on him. I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about that video and I'm hoping that this isn't a permanent uh, change in his shoot, uh, shooting mechanics. The only reason I'm going to assume that that is not really the way he shoots is because when you are a projected lottery pick, and okay, college is over. Now you, all these guys go off to wherever they go, Miami, LA, Chicago, whatever. And they are working with basketball people. And if you see somebody change their mechanics heading into a draft, it is usually, not usually, always for the better. Now it, it might make them a poorer shooter, um, initially, but the goal is to try to get the shot right and then get back to making shots. There is no basketball person on the planet who would bring Devin Vassell in and then, and, and make him start shooting that way. And if you saw him shooting that way, you would stop it immediately. So I'm just going to assume that that's not real. Like I know, I know the video's real and it's really him. I'm going to assume that is not the way he actually shoots because if you bring him in and it's like your job, like these agents hire you to work with these players in advance of a draft. There's no scenario where somebody works with Devin Vassell to get him shooting that way. If he comes to them shooting that way, they work with him to get rid of that. There's no way he comes to them with what he was and they turn it into that. I just can't believe that that's, that's true. Yeah. You're talking about a, a guy who in two seasons at Florida State shot 41.7% from the three point range. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it was necessarily broken. Um, if anything, you, you probably want to speed up his release a little bit. And, uh, it looks like he elongated it. I, you know, again, this is probably small sample size, massive overreaction. And, uh, I'm sure he's going to be a great NBA player, but yeah, this is something to definitely keep a, keep on the radar for sure. You know, every once in a while, as I'm just thinking through this, like you'll see LeBron James pregame imitating somebody else. Yeah. And if, if we just had a 20 second video of LeBron James and he was shooting, imitating Devin Vassell, we, we wouldn't be going, Oh my God, is that the way LeBron James shoots? We'd be going, Oh, it's just a video. He's just goofing around. I'm hoping Vassell was just goofing around. I, in fact, I'm assuming he was just goofing around. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're going to cross our fingers and hope so. <laughs> All right. With the 13th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Patrick Williams, uh, Devin Vassell's Florida State teammate, long athletic wing. Um, I think he can be a real difference maker on defense, very raw in terms of what he can be on offense. Um, but, you know, the, the more I kind of dig into him, I, th- I think he's going to be a really safe role-playing type prospect, a guy who can make plays on defense, eventually will grow into a better offensive weapon, and a guy who I think has a pretty high ceiling in terms of what he can be. So uh, there's there's not a lot of star power potential in this draft once you get past those kind of big three or big four. Um, he's he's a guy who I I think uh, could realistically be one of the stars from this draft if uh, if he meets the ceiling. So I'm happy that uh, Patrick Williams is falling to number thirteen here. I think he can be a difference maker. I do think his upside is probably higher than I, I don't think. In other words, we've got him going thirteenth here. I'm not sure there are twelve players in the draft with a higher upside than Patrick Williams. The the trick, of course, is like can you get there? You know, like the 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 the, the Previous drafts are filled with lottery picks who had tremendous upside and they just never become anything. And that, that again, I, I know I said this earlier, but like that's important to remember. Like all these guys, you can talk yourself into them. Um, and then reality happens and, and three of them are awesome. You know, six of them are role players and then it's just a bunch of, you know, it's just whatever, you know, like so. He he seems to me to be the type of guy who could really develop into something nice where you go, I guess I'd say this, neither one of these things would surprise me. We look up in five years and we go, man, how did Patrick Williams go 13th in the draft? How did they let him slip all the way down there? Or we could look up in fi- five years and go, wonder where Patrick Williams is now. <laughs> you know, neither one of those things would surprise me. Yes. Yeah. Let's go to the 14th pick, the final pick. Of the lottery with the 14th pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Kyra Lewis out of Alabama. You mentioned at 10 when I had the Phoenix Suns, I, I took Aaron Eastman. You said you might have looked at a point guard there. Yep. Um, there is some reports that suggest Phoenix is looking at point guard there. If I were taking a point guard there, the guy I would take is Kyra Lewis. Um, but it, you know, I decided to go Neesmith, then he slips to 14. I'll take him with Boston. You know, Kevin Walker is 30 years old and coming off a disappointing playoffs. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to replace Kimball Walker next season with a rookie. But, you know, the Celtics have hit on, I mean, you know, Jason Tatum is a star. Jalen Brown is, is really good. Marcus Smart is what he is. Where they seem to be needing to upgrade is the one in the five and maybe not the one immediately. But certainly, when you're trying to win a title with Jason Tatum, is that what well, I mean? Listen, you were trying to win a title this season with Jason Tatum, and you'll be trying to do it next season with Jason Tatum. They haven't done it yet. Um, I, I, Jason Tatum could be entering his actual prime with a different point guard than Kimba Walker. I guess is what I'm saying. And Kyra Lewis is a is a good candidate to be that guy. He's only 19 years old, but he averaged 18 and a half points, 5.2 assists, 4.8 rebounds this past season in Alabama. Made 49% of his three-point attempts in Alabama's final seven games. And I know I'm drawing a line and making it look – but it, like that at least suggests he's not just a, a get-up-and-down-the-court point guard as much as there's a scenario where he could develop into a reliable shooter 
as well. And at that position in the NBA these days, unless you're uh, Rajon Rondo, you really need to be able to, to shoot the ball, or at least it's preferable if you can shoot it. There is a sample size, small maybe, but sample size there that suggests Kyra Lewis can be that guy. Um, other thing that's encouraging is, you know, I've talked to Avery Johnson about Kyra Lewis, and he loves him, like absolutely loves him. And he doesn't have to love him as a former – like. I'm always interested when I talk to coaches about their players or former players. Um, Sometimes you can, I I can tell a lot by what you're not willing to say. Like you don't trash him. You just say, ah, yeah, he's good, good, good talent. You know, like just sort of end it there. I go, Ooh, he doesn't love him. Otherwise he would say more than what he's saying. But when Avery goes out of his way to gush about Kyra Lewis, um, that says something to me. I mean, that's a former NBA point guard gushing about somebody he thinks is going to be a really good NBA point guard. And no, you know, he's, he was around him as much as anybody. I know, it, mm-hmm. you know, Nate Oates coached him in this second year of college, but Avery recruited him. Avery enrolled him. Avery coached him. Avery knows him really well. The fact that Avery has a hot, that high of an opinion of him, higher than you and I, even though we've got him in the lottery, uh, to me is a, is a good sign for Kyra Lewis. Yeah, I, I think we did actually a, a mock draft on CBS Sports HQ, and I think Avery actually selected Cairo with like a top five pick. So, yeah. and, and maybe he's a little bit biased, right? But, um, but yeah, I, I think certainly his upside is pretty high in Boston. Um, you know, obviously even, even their, their depth at point guard behind Kimball Walker is not great. You know, Brad Wanamaker is their backup point guard. So, you know, even if he doesn't come in and immediately usurp Kimball Walker as a starting point guard, we don't expect that. I think he could be, you know, the the team second unit and eventually maybe he takes over that spot. So that is the lottery in the books. That means uh, we are moving on to the 15th pick. The Orlando Magic are on the clock and we're going to get to that momentarily. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So the lottery is in the book. The 14th pick, Boston Celtics, took Kyra Lewis. We move on to the Orlando Magic picking 15th. Kyle Boone, that's your pick. Yep, with the 15th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Tyrese Maxey, one-and-done freshman from Kentucky. Uh, Maxey is a, is a great on-ball defender, but he shot just 29.2% from three-point range at Kentucky. He's, he's not probably going to be a primary guard in the NBA, but what he can be, I think, in the NBA as, as a, just an elite defender, a guy who can play off the ball. I think he has a safe role 
in in the NBA. And the Magic already have a lead guard in place with Markel Fultz. So I think he, he can be a defensive eraser, a guy who can play where there's already a lead guard in place. And uh, maybe he kind of follows that Tyler uh, Hero path, a guy who maybe didn't shoot it all that well at Kentucky, but finds more space in the NBA and as a result finds a little bit more shooting success in the NBA as well. So I I'm betting low on Tyrese Maxey. And it, this is a guy who I think was a top five prospect for us coming into the NBA, uh, into the college season. So a guy that I think has a, has a really nice pedigree and I think his shot will eventually come around. This is a good time to be a Kentucky player entering a draft, given what yeah. we just watched in the bubble, whether it was Tyler Hero or Jamal Murray or Bam Adebayo, like Kentucky players. And I mentioned those and not Anthony Davis because, like, we all knew what Anthony Davis was, right? Like, nobody was arguing about Anthony Davis coming into the 2012 NBA draft. He is one of those guys like LeBron, like Zion, like Carl Anthony Towns, where everybody agreed if you're picking first in this draft, you take Anthony Davis. The other guys – you know, like people, you know, some loved them, some didn't. There was no consensus about Jamal Murray or Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero, um, even Devin Booker. And yet there's a pretty significant list of former Kentucky players under John Calipari who are whatever in college and then be, are, are on the verge of becoming or already are stars in the NBA. And so if you're Tyrese Maxey, you're just hoping to be the next one. And if you're the Orlando Magic picking here, you're hoping he's the next one. But let's not lie to each other. He wasn't great at Kentucky. He just wasn't. Um, I remember Champions Classic, I guess Kentucky played Michigan State. I don't remember. It feels like it was probably Michigan State. I was there. I don't remember. Um, but he he balled out. He was great and put a big number up. And John Calipari after the game said, that's the, that's the kid I recruited. And he said, but let me tell you something. I hadn't seen him since, since I enrolled him until tonight. Like I have not seen that in practice at all. And now maybe he's, maybe this will be a, a, a light switch, uh, flips on for him. Maybe he's just a guy who, you know, cause John has said, like, and everybody, there's some guys who you don't see it in, in practices, but you put nine other dudes on the court with them, say, let's go play a game and they show up. He's maybe, maybe that's what Tyrese Maxey is. I don't know, but like I have not, I, I recruited a killer and I saw the killer tonight. I ain't seen him anytime between the day I signed him and tonight. I didn't see him at all. So I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe this is Tyrese Maxey about to compete for national player of the year. And then he was just, he's just whatever. And he didn't, she, he had moments, but not, he wasn't consistently great. And he didn't shoot it. And so I do think you are, if you're taking, using a top 15 pick on him, you're probably using it based on two things. One, I, I think the killer thing that we've seen is that that's real and that's going to be there. And don't get caught undervaluing Kentucky, Kentucky players, especially Kentucky guards. Yes. Um, there's, they, they, they start in the bubble and this is going to be the next dude. Um, you know, that, that, that overperforms, outperforms his place in his draft. Um, that's what you're hoping Tyrese Maxey is. Yeah. And, you know, I guess a word of caution too is a guy who, uh, I thought was going to be that dude for Kentucky last season was Tyrese Maxey. He didn't end up really being that dude. And, and the last guy that I kind of thought of in that same category was, was Kevin Knox, a guy who I thought was going to be that dude for Kentucky. He had some great moments at Kentucky, ended up being a lottery pick, 
And he, I mean, I think it's fair to say he's been basically a bust in the NBA. So, uh, you know, for every Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, guys who maybe don't perform at a star level in college and end up being really good in the NBA, uh, there's, there's the Kevin Knox's of the world. And so, I, I, again, I'm high on Tyrese Maxey. That's why I'm taking him with a lottery pick or 15th pick. But, um, yeah, it, it, there's no guarantee that he turns this thing around. Uh, with the 16th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Portland Blazers select R.J. Hampton. This is another five-star prospect, American um, prospect who you know decided to skip college and play overseas. He signed with a team out of New Zealand. It wasn't great, um, but he did average 8.8 points, 3.0 rebounds, 2.4 assists per game before um, shutting it down. And... You know, I, I was talking to somebody who worked for an NBA team last week and they asked me about him because Hampton was, RJ Hampton was considering Memphis and worked out here a lot, um, with Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller, even after he decided not to come to college. Like he then went to New Zealand, played and then came back to Memphis and was working out during a pandemic, um, at the Memphis practice facility in violation of university protocols. Like, like I don't want to say Penny Hardaway got in trouble. Like Penny Hardaway's not going to get, nobody's going to punish Penny Hardaway at the university of Memphis, but they had to shut it down. Like once the, cause like RJ Hampton, Mike Miller were putting uh, Instagram stories and it's like uh, the campus is supposed to be shut down. Nobody's allowed on it, but here's RJ Hampton working out every day. So the, you like, you know, I don't know whether it was university president or somewhere lower, but they had to step in and say, RJ Hampton cannot be coming into this practice. Our own basketball players aren't allowed in the practice facility right now. But the point is he came back here and he's been around a lot of people um, that I, I know well, and they love him. I mean, would they have preferred him to come to college and play inside FedEx forum? Sure. But, they really like him. Um, the question becomes, is he ever going to be able to shoot it the way you want him to shoot it? Cause he's not a good shooter right now. He has been working with Mike Miller, who's an accomplished shooter, obviously, and changed the shot a little bit. And so I don't know that that can be interpreted as anything other than a good thing. But if you're the Blazers, you probably need backcourt help. I think sometimes people go, well, they got Damian Lillard. They got CJ McCollum. Well, what else they got? I mean, those, those dudes play heavy minutes. Yes. And, you know, to add a guy who could maybe be a backup point guard, also play off the ball. He's a combo guard more than he is a point guard. But, like, you could put the ball in his hands and let him go make plays. Like, he's got a first step. He can get by people. Uh, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. If he's available at 16, the Blazers – Listen, you get to the playoffs, then Lillard and McCollum are going to go. You don't need them in February playing heavy as heavy minutes as they do. And so getting them some help is probably wise. And R.J. Hampton, I think, qualifies as help. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, with the 17th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Memphis product Presish Achua. Uh, Achua, I think, is one of the best defensive players in this draft. Certainly, I think, one of the most versatile. Uh, a lob finisher at, at Memphis. Not much of anything on offense, um, but just elite, elite on defense. And I think in time, uh, the offense will eventually come around. This is your Memphis homie, Precious Achua. So tell me about uh, Precious and where you view him. 
I like him a lot. He was awesome at Memphis, a statistical monster. Yeah. You know, he came there to to play beside James Wiseman. Wiseman's going to be the five. He's going to be the four. Wiseman quits the team. He's got to play the five. I can tell you that he didn't like that at first. He thought that it was because you know how it is these days. Every two guard thinks he's a point guard. Every wing thinks he's a two guard. Every power forward thinks he's a wing. Every center thinks he's a power forward. Nobody want, everybody wants to play a position down because, you know, because Kevin Durant's 6'11 and can play on the wing, right? So nobody thinks they're who they are. It's why when you look at official rosters in college, you almost never see centers. Even though like, like somebody has to play what we call center, but like nobody wants to be called a center except maybe Luca Garza. So, um, and maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so precious is probably a four who wants to play three and was suddenly playing five. He didn't like it. And one of the reasons was he thought that it was hurting him with NBA people. I need to show him what I can do out on the perimeter and how can I show him what I can do? Um, when I'm playing center, here's the truth. He can't do much on the perimeter. Not right now. He doesn't have that skill set. Now, you know, you throw it to him, he'll shoot it, <laughs> but that, that that's not the way you wanted your offense run. So I think playing center actually benefited him because yeah. it eliminated a lot of the stuff that if you saw it, you'd go, I don't know. Six, nine, constantly hanging out on the perimeter Constantly taking jumpers that he doesn't make. Doesn't mean he can't make them, but he doesn't make them. He, he can, but he doesn't. Um, you, you don't see any of that. You force him to be around the rim, and then around the rim, he's a monster. Just grabbing every rebound, dunking every ball. He's really good. And I think actually benefited from playing what amounts to the five for most of his time at Memphis. Where he's going to make his money, there were multiple times, and I, I think most notably in a game against Houston – Late game situation, he gets switched onto Caleb Mills. So it's your classic, you know, big on a guard. Great matchup for Houston in theory. Nope. Couldn't get a shot off. Pressure to it. Like guard in space. He is a big who can guard in space, moves his feet, knows how to play. That's great. That's why he'll make millions and millions of dollars. For me, the question is, what else can he be? I already know what he, I, I know what he is. What else can he be? I really do think his draft range is like 10 to 22. Like, because if you think he's going to develop an offensive skill set to go with the athleticism, the motor, the defensive ability, the, you know, intangibles, people like him. Like, you know, if he was a, like, people like him, his coaches liked him, his teammates liked him. That's all good stuff. So if you believe he can become an offensive player as well, like, you know, actually put the ball on the floor a little bit, actually make that shot. Well, then take him 10th. If you don't think that's going to develop, it's not really there, take him 22nd. You know, there's a big I, – I, I don't want to say his range is as wide as anybody's because I don't think it actually is, but I do believe his range is pretty wide. People commonly refer to him as, you know, future lottery pick, and he might be, but I'm not I'm not 100% sold he's a top 20 pick unless you're a franchise that believes he's going to be able to do some of the things he thinks he can do. Yeah, and, and maybe he's just so elite on defense that teams will say, you know what, if he's still a zero on offense or close to a zero on offense and never really develops that perimeter game that he wants to, uh, he's just so good on defense that we think he's worthy of a top 15 pick. I totally understand. I, I think that's 
actually that's mostly why I have him inside my top 20 is just because he can guard one through five. Um, so, you know, and, and maybe that's the case, but yeah, it's, I certainly, I think he's another guy who has a pretty wide range of draft outcomes. Let's go to the 18th pick with the 18th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Jalen Smith out of Maryland. He's a 6'10 big can play both the four and the five shot 37% from three, 75% from the free throw line. That's a shooter. Like when you've got a good three point percentage backed up by a good free throw percentage, that means you're a good shooter. Sometimes you can look at somebody who's not a good three point shooter or they don't have the percentage, but you look at the free throw percentage and if it's good, you go, okay, like a guy shot 32% from three point range, but is an 81% free throw shooter. All right, we'll figure this out. Um, Jalen Smith checks both boxes, 37% three-point shooter, 75% for the free throw line. So he's a big who stretches the floor, and that is what he will be in the NBA. And if you're Dallas, adding another shooter to play with Luka, that makes sense. And I love or like, I should say like, Christos Porzingis, but he's regularly missing games and has been for much of his career. Uh, he was relatively healthy this past season, but then obviously had to shut it down in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't mean that he won't play 82 games whenever the next season starts, but there is some injury stuff there that is at least somewhat concerning. So to add a, a, a position need, but somebody who did something that I think is relatively rare, or at least not as common as people say, you see freshmen who are heralded, they're on the fence, like, yeah, could go enter the draft, could come back to school. They decide to come back to school. What do they always say? Uh, I'm coming back to improve on A, B, and C and improve my draft stock. And then you look up a year later, they're roughly the same guy, maybe a little better, but the draft stock still is where it is, maybe even worse. Jalen Smith actually improved his draft stock. Like, he came back to school. He got better. He got bigger. Um, the numbers were all for the most part, better across the board. Um, he showed that he could be a reliable perimeter shooter, showed that he can play either front court position. I, I like him. I think I probably like him more than most, but I especially like him in, in, in Dallas if he were available uh, at, at 18. Yeah, and and um, not playing next to Bruno Fernando, I think obviously helped. He he eventually, you know, as a, as a freshman playing alongside Bruno Fernando, was was really good and I think probably could have been, you know, a top 40 pick last year, came back and really solidified himself as the clear-cut number one big man on that team and uh, improved as a shooter. I think that's the, probably the biggest thing. He's he's essentially a stretch five who, you know, a fit with Dallas next to Luka I think is, is a perfect fit, so I love that. Uh, with the 19th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Cole Anthony from North Carolina. Uh, Anthony was injury plagued a little bit last season, but versatile shot maker can be a microwave type of score off the bench. The Nets have KD and Kyrie. So, you know, they, they don't necessarily need offense, but maybe a guy who can come off the bench and add some offense and, and scoring for them has some ball handling abilities. I can see him captaining a second unit and maybe growing into more, uh, in time, but a guy who I think is, uh, is almost certainly going to be a top 20 pick in this draft. Boy, would there be a team in the NBA with more shot hunters on the same roster than Brooklyn if Cole Anthony's there? I'd love Kyrie, KD, and Cole Anthony fighting over shots would be the best. Um, 
I like Cole Anthony. I, I think he's going to be a productive NBA player. In, in other words, you're going to look at the numbers. You're going to, ah, he scored. He's going to score in the NBA. The question becomes, and I've, I've had multiple people who work in that league ask me is like, uh, okay, is he, you going to win with Cole Anthony? That's the question. Like, is that the guy you win with? Um, or does he just, is it a bunch of stats for bad teams? Like, are you going to look up in eight years and Cole Anthony is still in the league and he's been averaging in excess of 20 points per game, but never made the playoffs? Just been a, a, been a good scorer on a bad team over and over and over again. And my answer is maybe, you know, like, listen, maybe we'll see. I, I do think f- where he lands is very important. Um, I, I think the worst thing for Cole Anthony would be end up on a team that's going to win 30 games. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't, I, I would rather him go to a place like Brooklyn and be a part of a winning team, even if he plays a minor role, than for him to go to a bad team and play major minutes. Cause then it just sort of feeds into that narrative. Oh, there's Cole Anthony getting all the shots and his team lost by 14. They're on a six game losing streak. Like I, I don't, if I were Greg Anthony, I would want my son to go. If you told me right now can go to a bad team, but lead the team in minutes and shots or go to a good team and play a relatively minor role. What do you want? Good team, minor role. Like let's go learn how to win and learn how to um, get productive points and be more efficient. And I don't think you can do that if you're Cole Anthony, if you're in a situation where somebody's just handing you the ball from day one and telling you to go. I, I So Brooklyn would be a nice spot for him, I think, not to mention being with uh, Steve Nash, who's uh, obviously an all-time great uh, uh, point guard. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be Damian Lillard, but if you're trying to imagine, you know, what he could be, like a high-level aggressive scorer at the one, a lead guard who can really go get buckets, like – that's there for Cole Anthony. That is, that is a, that is a possible outcome. And so I think if you're Brooklyn and he slips this far and he really might on draft night, which is wild to think about considering yeah. this time last year, some people thought he would be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Now he won't sniff that. I mean, maybe he goes in the lottery, but you know, going all the way down at 19 is, is certainly possible. But for me, the fit for Cole Anthony is going to be very important and a fit in Brooklyn. I think that's. I think that's a pretty good fit. Uh, yeah, I'm drafting him with the expectation that he's going to be a guy who comes off the bench and scores. Now, if I'm drafting him, you know, with a with a top ten pick, and I'm hoping that he comes in and is my lead guard from day one, I'm probably going to be disappointed. Um, but he's a guy who I think can, like you said, he can hunt shots, he can get you offense. He's a versatile shot maker and a guy who I think is going to put up pretty quality production in the NBA, even if it's not necessarily efficient. So. I, I would be happy with spending a top 20 pick on him. Um, yeah, I think you run the risk of being a little bit disappointed if you're spending a top 10 pick on him. With the 20th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Miami Heat select another point guard, Trey Jones, out of uh, Duke. Um, obviously, the Heat were one of the biggest stories in this past NBA season, making it all the way to the finals as the fifth seed in the East. And I do think they're going to bring Goran Dragic back. If only because like, what are your options if you don't bring him back? You know, they'll probably bring him back on a big one year deal that, so they get the money off the books summer 2021, but you don't blow up a team that just went to the NBA finals. It doesn't make them the favorite to get there again, but I, I do think they're bringing Goran Dragic back, but he is a free agent and Kendrick Nunn, who was uh, 
at least relevant, really good, I guess I should say. Top five rookie of the year voting. As a rookie, he got moved mostly out of the rotation in the playoffs. So that suggests um they they don't they don't trust him that much. And so you might be looking for a, a point guard to back up Dragic and then take over for Garn Dragic once you do move on from him. And I, I think Trey Jones can be that guy. He averaged 16.2 points, 6.4 assists last season and actually shot it well enough um, from the perimeter down the stretch to get his shooting percentage up to 36.1 from three-point range. Um, his older brother, uh, Tyus, uh, is a high-level backup point guard in the NBA. He, he's in Memphis backing up John Morant, and he's really good. Like, the Grizzlies weren't good in the bubble for a variety of reasons. A, they just weren't that good anyway. They got in a position to make the playoffs by beating bad teams. And then when you get to the bubble, there's no bad team. So, like, you, you get what you get. But part of the reason they struggled was they didn't have a backup point guard. Trey, uh, Tyus Jones was hurt. So I say all that to say this. I think Trey Jones is going to be better than Tyus Jones. And I think Tyus Jones is a one of the better backup point guards in the NBA right now. Um, so, like, the floor, I would think, for Trey Jones is a, a run-your-team, come-off-the-bench, backup point guard who can reliably knock down a shot and really, really put pressure on the ball, guard his position. That's the floor. The, the, the ceiling is he develops into a – a, a quality starting point guard in the NBA. And we talked earlier about franchises that have a history of developing players properly and good cultures. Well, the Miami Heat's probably at the top of that list. So um, this would be a great spot for Trey Jones. Like you'd be thrilled. Everybody wants to go number one in the draft, but if you're not going to go number one and this is your range, going 20th to the Miami Heat under these circumstances is actually great. So I think it'd be terrific for Trey Jones, and a, a quality pick for the Miami Heat as well. Yeah, I, I love this pick. I think this is a perfect fit uh, for Trey Jones, uh, just because they probably need a backup point guard. And um, yeah, I, I I would bet on Trey Jones at least being a competent backup uh, for a long time in the NBA. Uh, the, with the 21st pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Philadelphia 76ers select Desmond Bain from TCU. And this is probably going to surprise some folks, a four-year player um, in college, but a career 43.3% three-point shooter in college, a guy who has really kind of caught the attention of teams late in this draft prospect, uh, process. And I would not be surprised um, if we look up and he is, you know, like a, a late lottery top 20 type of player. And, you know, the, the NBA obviously prioritizes three-point shooting. He is one of the very best three-point shooters in this draft. And Philadelphia, this may be a little bit rich, uh, but they need three-point shooting, and I think Bain fills a need for them. And um, so, yeah, with the with the twenty-first pick, I feel good about this. You know, if you go back during the college basketball season and you look at mock drafts, because you know, listen, I bookmark everybody's. I'm not going to lie; it's not. You know, of course, you look at other people's work, and I read about them. I, there are things that um, you learn from other people who who make a living doing this, and so you go back to Desmond Bain's not really in any of these mock drafts. And you, he starts popping up because we're all having conversations with, with NBA people, whether it's actual general managers and decision makers or just people who work in advanced scouting or whatever. We all have sources and we're all in relatively constant contact with these people. And 
Desmond Bain's name has been coming up a lot. And I think it's one of those deals where when you really, it's a little bit like what I said about Tyrese Halliburton earlier. Um, when you really dive in to the numbers and really start digging deeper, like there's a lot there to like, you know, again, everybody needs shooters with size. Everybody needs shooters with size. Well, here's a shooter with a pretty good size. And, um, I, I, I don't know that he could actually go in the top 10 of this draft. I, I think you suggested that maybe that's a possibility. Here's what I would say. Remember last year when Cameron Johnson went 11th and people were like, whoa, yeah. I think, I think this could be this version's draft of Cameron Johnson. Whoa. Like Desmond Bain, 18th. Like I do think something like that is possible where, which would surprise some people because he has not been talked about that way ever and hasn't been projected that way ever. But again, when you come out of that bubble, seeing how valuable shooting is, and then you got a guy with size here who can really shoot it. Um, he, he start, he looks like a first round pick to me and I, I I'm with you. I don't know if 10, uh, getting up in that range is possible, but in the teens yeah. and certainly in the twenties, I, I think that's, that's that's probably what we're looking at. So yeah, that's um that's an interesting pick. Desmond Bain going twenty first to the Sixers, and obviously the Sixers are a team that could use more shooting because at least one of their best players can't, can't shoot, shoot the ball, yeah, can't shoot the problem. ball at all. It is a problem. With the twenty second pick of the two thousand twenty NBA draft, the Denver Nuggets select Josh Green out of Arizona. Look, Denver is set. At point guard and center, right? So, uh, Jamal Murray, obviously at point guard, Nikola Jokic at center. So we're just trying to look, at least I would be, I'm trying to look in between those guys. Like who could play in theory with those guys? And so taking a wing with the 22nd pick makes sense to me. And at least on my big board, if you will, Josh Green's the best available wing at this point. He's not a great playmaker or passer yet. It was a little disappointing, um, inconsistent at Arizona, but he is a great athlete and he can guard multiple positions. And I've had one of, one of the guys who works in the NBA that I trust as much as anybody. Um, when I would consult with him on mock drafts or just ideas I was having about prospects or people I'd seen, maybe people I like that aren't, I don't see other people paying much attention to. One of the things this guy always says to me is, um, don't ever lose track or focus of of the fact that athleticism is really important. Like you, you just you, being a great athlete is a great place to start. You know, we we can work on some of the other stuff, but like great athletes are really valuable. I, this guy works for one of the best franchises in the NBA, and if you ask him what's most important to you. He would list athleticism and shooting in some order. And at the very least, Josh Green's a great athlete. Like that, that's there. And so if you're looking for best wing available, I think he's probably best wing available here, even if you are betting on him to be something he wasn't at Arizona. You know, Arizona had, you know, multiple first round picks, um, maybe as many as three. And they just weren't very good. And part of that was Josh Green wasn't very good, but there, there's a list of players who, were underwhelming in college, particularly one and done guys who then looked great in the NBA. And, you know, I, I'm not ruling out the possibility Josh Green could be one of those guys. Yeah. And I, I think when you're scouting players too, um, 
you have to scout with context. You have to know that Josh Green, you know, maybe wasn't great, but look, Nico Mannion was a five-star prospect. He wasn't necessarily a world beater either. Right. Uh, I think Zeke Nachi was probably Arizona's best player. Um, and the fact that he played next to Nico Mannion, who, who really was the primary ball handler, you know, maybe we didn't see a lot of un- untapped potential in terms of what Josh, ca- Josh Green can be. Uh, as a playmaker, you know, the, the athleticism is, is there. Absolutely. The physical tools are there. I think he can be a good defender. He shot a respectable rate from the three point line. So yeah, I, I love this pick. And I think he's a, he's a, a wing who can fill a role. And uh, at number 22, I, I think that's good value. Uh, with the 23rd pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Utah Jazz select Leandro Balmaro. Uh, this is a draft and stash pick for me. Uh, he, he's expected to, to stay overseas, plays for Barcelona's B team, but an interesting uh, playmaker on the ball. He has really good handles, an improving shot, and I just love the fact that he can make plays off the bounce. Um, when you're six foot eight and you can do that, I think it, it, it definitely gives you an advantage. Uh, the Jazz tend to kind of prioritize this type of player, this archetype, guys who are really big and and can make plays. The kind of the Joe Ingles type of prospect. So, you know, long term, I, I really like his upside. And in terms of um, what he can be long term, I think the Jazz. This is more of the future pick and what he can be in three to four three to four years. Right, and he's an obvious draft and stash guy. And if he's not going, like, okay, like if he's there at twenty three and the Jazz take him, perfect. If he's not taken in the top twenty three or twenty four. Or 25, the Celtics could maybe go this direction as well because their roster is loaded. They, they have the Celtics, and we'll talk about this, uh, when we get to them at 26, but the Celtics have three first round picks. They cannot possibly put all these guys on the roster unless they make, they got to move a lot of stuff around. So if you're Boston, you might be hoping that Bomaro drops to 26 so you can take him stash him bring him over when you ever want to bring him over so um you know they would be i at least in theory uh disappointed to see him go 23rd to utah but you know this is his range and, and that makes a lot of sense with the 24th pick 2020 nba draft the milwaukee bucks select teo maladin who is a uh, a point guard from france 6-4 just turned uh, 19 in June. So he's young and was also the youngest LNB all-star in history once upon a time. And, you know, the Bucks, uh, Eric Bledsoe still has three years left on a bad contract. Um, so like he's your guy probably, you know, unless you move him for better or worse, um, in the immediate future. But right now the point guards on Milwaukee's roster. It's like Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. So you, you need, you, you need youth and you need talent. And so taking a point guard here, um, makes some sense to me. And, and simply put, uh, Maladin is the, he's the best available on, on my board at this point. Yeah, I like it. I, I think he's a guy who can end up probably playing the, the one or the two. Um, struggled a little bit last season was a little bit injury plagued, but a guy who I think is, has a pretty high upside and uh, the bucks obviously need some backcourt help. So this makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to go, by the way, thank you for taking another French point guard. I have the, <laughs> the 27th pick with the Knicks so I can avoid him. Yes. Uh, at number 25, the Oklahoma city thunder select Alexei Pokusevsky. Um 
What's that? What's the infamous Fran Fashilla line? It's two years away from being two years, two years away. away. Correct. Yeah, I, I think Pokusevsky probably falls into this category. He's seven foot. He's a center who can pass, who can dribble, who can shoot. Moves like a wing. But if you've seen this kid play, he he looks so so tiny. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't look natural. But he, the way he moves is just a little bit different and. I think there's a chance that he goes in the first round. He's definitely a project, uh, but this draft is, again, it's thin on stars, and it's possible that he is one of those stars in this draft down the road. And if uh, if the Thunder want to take a chance on someone who can be a star in a few years, I think Pokusevsky fits a need here. I, I guess uh, the only thing I would add is that you know the Thunder got to figure out what they want to do. You know, are, are they are they going to keep pushing with Chris Paul or you know? break it up and and go into a rebuild with all of these picks they got from the Paul George trade. And I you could argue either side of that. Um, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things about the Heat making it all the way to the NBA Finals is that they famously never tried to rebuild or they never tanked in an attempt to rebuild. They just kept trying to get better, you know, in whatever form. And so there is a, a legitimate argument of like you don't tear it down, tank to 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 rebuild because there's no guarantee that that works. Um, I understand the idea behind it, but it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. Sometimes teams tear it down to rebuild, tank, and then they you look up and five years later they're just cra- they're still just garbage. And so, you know that that's a, a decision Sam Presti will have to make. Obviously, Billy Donovan already moving on um, is is a development. But I guess I'd say this: if you're going to keep trying to get better, maybe you do something else here. Um, somebody who can actually help Chris Paul next season. But if you are thinking about going into total rebuild mode, then, then yeah, taking a high upside international prospect, I could get down with that. Oh, we're burning t- it down. We're burning it down in OKC. <laughs> Tanking for Kate Cunningham for sure. So what do you do with Chris Paul? We'll say, we'll see you later. We'll, we'll deal into the Knicks. The Knicks need a point guard, right? <laughs> the Knicks do need a point guard. So, um, but, you know, that Chris Paul in New York would be interesting and maybe he could help you yeah. set the cult, set a culture there that, that you would like, or maybe he would drive everybody crazy. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> With the 26th pick, the 2020 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Jaden McDaniels out of Washington. As previously noted, the Celtics have, uh, three first round picks. This is the second of the three, the last one is um, 30th and who knows if they're going to make all these picks. Um, we'll see. But if they end up making these picks 26 or 30th, like why not just take a shot, you know, just take a shot on somebody. And Jane McDaniels uh, would qualify as taking a shot on somebody. He was projected by most to be a top 10 pick this time a year ago. And then he went to Washington and he was terrible. I mean, he was awful um, for an awful team. He was the biggest disappointment for maybe the biggest disappointment in the country. Um, led the Pac-12 in fouls. Um, that's really the only thing he let him in. He was just not good. Got suspended at one point or got bent. I should uh, rephrase. Got benched at one point, not suspended. And um, just was not good. And so I know there's some NBA people that are like, we saw him. His staff at Washington didn't like him. Uh, he didn't impress in any way. Uh, I wouldn't touch him with a first round pick. And I respect that. But if you're the Celtics and you got all these picks and you have limited roster space, uh, if you're going to execute the picks, maybe just go, all right, 
who it could be a total bust, but you know, what else are we getting here anyway? Let's, let's try to hit on a guy that a year ago people thought was a top 10 pick and maybe we can get that out of him. Maybe it was just a bad fit at Washington as opposed to he's a bad prospect. I don't love this, but I was willing to take a shot at 26. Yeah. I, I think if you talk to people about Jaden McDaniels, they, have one opinion or another about him. They either love his upside and, and are convinced that he's a lottery prospect or they're totally out. Uh, yeah. This is kind of halfway in halfway out at, at number 26. I'm, I'm more in the, in the, in the latter. Uh, I, I think I, I think I'm going to pass, but certainly I see the upside. I mean, he's, he's a, he's got great size. I think he's got some interesting handles. Um, a guy who, who could end up being lottery type, um, in terms of what he can produce long term, so yeah, this I, I think this makes a lot of sense for the Celtics. All right, with the 27th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Nico Mannion from Arizona. Uh, obviously, the Knicks have not gotten a point guard yet. They have avoided the French point guards altogether, and Mannion is a late first flyer, a super high IQ guard from Arizona who could create offense. He's a good passer. He's not super explosive. Like I said, I think he kind of underperformed at Arizona. His shooting wasn't super great, but um, yeah, I, I think the Knicks need a point guard, obviously. And, you know, whether they address that via trade or via free agency, I think Mannion's a guy who can come in and, and either play as a starter right away or at the very least operate as a backup. So this gives them some uh, insurance and protection at the position. Like ideally you want your point guard to be a high level athlete, somebody who can get by other people. And Nico Mannion's probably not that. Yeah. Um, but there are guys who flourish in that league because they know how to play and they can, and, and that covers up a lot of the physical limitations. Uh, Fred Van Vliet being a great example of that in Toronto. So uh, if, what you're hoping is that Nico Mannion can be one of those guys. Like he's not going to physically overwhelm anybody. He's not going to ever be called one of the greatest athletes at his position, but he does know how to play. And, you know, I guess the G League is also filled with guys who know how to play, but can't quite, can't quite do it. So we'll see. But, um, I'm a believer. I, I, you know, I, I, at one point he was projected as a lottery pick by a lot of people. Um, I'm not saying I never subscribed to that, but after watching him at Arizona over and over again, like I, I wouldn't touch him in the lottery now. And I don't think anybody else would either, but late first round pick. Um, that, that makes some sense, uh, to me. Uh, you know, Malachi Flynn is another guy who's not going to overwhelm anybody physically, but just, just knows how to play. Um, you know, if you take him in this draft, you're, you're trusting that that will translate in the same way that it translated for Fred Van Bleed. So yeah, you're the Knicks. I think earlier I had him taking Sadiq Bay. Um, you add Nico Mannion. So in a span of two drafts, they go RJ Barrett, Nico Mannion, Sadiq Bay. At least some big names. Like we'll recognize, yeah. we'll, we'll recognize the New York Knicks players, whether they'll yeah. ever accomplish anything in, in Midtown Manhattan. We'll see, but, um, some big names for some, from some big programs. All right. With the 28th pick, the 2020 NBA draft, as I'm doing this, I wonder if Adam Silver ever gets tired of just saying, with the 28th pick, is that <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I mean, I'm getting lazy with it now. 28th pick, draft, Lakers. That's why, that's why they sub them out at the, at the end of the first round. Yeah. Like yeah. I always, I never, I never thought it was absolutely necessary, but as <laughs> I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah, all right. I cannot do this 60 times. So, <laughs> 
bring somebody else in. With the 28th pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Rondo made headlines last week when it was reported that he's opting out of his contract. And so the Lakers need point guard help, whether he comes back or not. And they don't just need point guard help. Like if I were the Lakers, I, I don't know that I would take Kyra Lewis because he might take a minute to to get – Cassius Winston, I think, can help an NBA team next season. He's older. Um, he knows how to play that position. He made 43% of the 602 three-pointers he attempted in his four-year career at Michigan State. So you get me – oh, and Tom Izzo loved him. Like, I think that means something. Like, Tom loves Cassius Winston. So comes from a strong program, um, can 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 play backup point guard minutes and maybe starter minutes. I mean, I wouldn't rule out the idea that Cassius Winston could be a starting point guard next to LeBron James, given that LeBron James is going to run most of your – he's going to initiate your offense more often than not anyway. And then, you know, Cassius Winston just slips off the ball, and now what is he? A knockdown shooter on the court with LeBron James. Like, I love this fit. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that Cash will be available at 28. And if he is, you know, maybe the Lakers prefer somebody different. But if you talk about this, if you told me it's 2021 NBA finals and Cassius Winston is knocking down threes next to LeBron James, that would not be surprising to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Lakers were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA playoffs. To me, that's borderline inexcusable. I mean, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, two stars who rely on the floor being spaced. They need shooters around them. That is essentially the the recipe for how LeBron James succeeds is with shooters around him. Danny Green didn't quite have the playoffs that people thought. Rajon Rondo is, is not a three-point shooter. And even if he returns, I think it would be smart to add Cassius Winston, one of the best three-point shooting point guards in this draft, a guy who I think for the Lakers could end up being a backup point guard or even you know a guy who can start off the ball and uh, and knock down shots at a high level. So I think this is a great pick. Uh, with the 29th pick of the 2020 NBA draft and with my final pick, I am taking Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Just an absolute baller. Led college basketball last season in win shares. A great scorer who can make shots off the bounce at a high rate, runs an offense, knows how to defend. A guy who probably doesn't look the part uh, as a as a first-round caliber prospect. But you mentioned the Flint, uh, Fred Van Vliet comparison earlier. I think that is absolutely apt. A guy who probably doesn't quite look like a first rounder, but is going to end up just producing and winning. And he's done it at every level. I think he'll do it for the, for the Raptors as well. In my actual mock draft, I have the Raptors selecting Malachi Flynn as well. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet is an unrestricted free agent. So I know Toronto would love to keep him. I don't know whether they will. So it's possible this will be an actual team need. And if it is, why not just select the guy that, you know, I, I don't, I was going to say looks like he doesn't actually look like, but like sort of fits the same mold of a Fred Van Vliet. I mean, Fred Van Vliet was awesome in college. All American, two time Missouri Valley Conference player of the year, um, was on a final four team, led a team to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament out of the Valley. Um, awesome college player. Still didn't get drafted. Why? A little shorter than you want. Um, not quite as athletic as you want. 
and you know, you put him in a combine. He's not going to measure. He's not going to test nothing, nothing there. So he just knows how to play. He's a winner. He's tough. And I am not predicting Malachi Flynn's going to be Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet's about to make sixteen, eighteen million dollars a year. But I think Malachi Flynn could be like Fred Van Vliet in the sense that you you get this long list of reasons why you think he won't make it in the NBA, and then you look up and he makes it, and you go, I should have just paid attention to what he was. Because what he was was, uh, I know it was just one year at San Diego State, but he was the biggest reason that team was way better than anybody thought it could be. Shot, you know, thirty-seven percent from three this past year. Shot thirty-eight percent from three in a previous year. Really smart, high IQ, knows how to play, point guard, runs your team, can make a shot. Like I like guys like that, and I like Malachi Flynn. Um, as a first round pick. And uh, again, given the uncertainty of Fred Van Vliet, uh, future Malachi Flynn to the Raptors makes a lot of sense. With the 30th and final, thank God, final pick <laughs> of the 2020 NBA draft, the Boston Celtics select Isaiah Stewart out of Washington. Now, um, I didn't realize this when I did it. I was going to say, you did this on purpose, didn't you? I, I didn't, I just, I just realized it as I was scrolling through my file as we're going down the draft and I was like, oh, I put McDaniels and Stewart on the same team. That didn't work so well last time. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have Isaiah Stewart and Jay McDaniels both going to the Celtics. Um, I apologize to Danny Ainge in advance. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing to you when I did it. But, um, you know, again, the Celtics have three first round picks. Who knows if they're going to use them all. Um, but the most obvious issue with Boston is that Daniel Tice is the starting center, you know, like he's fine, but is he, should he be your starting center in Boston? When you I, may, I don't know, like look at the Lakers starting center. So like maybe, it, maybe it doesn't matter who your starting center is anymore. Um, but you know, Daniel Tice is the one thing in that starting lineup that doesn't fit. Uh, he's six, eight undersized, and again, he's fine. But like, if you're trying to upgrade a, a Celtics position, that's probably the one where you upgrade. And Isaiah Stewart is also undersized, but he is bigger than Daniel Tice and incredible motor, incredible work ethic. Everybody loves him. Incredibly productive. Um, a guy who we were just talking about Malachi Flynn. I, I think Isaiah Stewart is maybe a little bit the same. Like, you know, he is not some big shot blocking rim protecting center. Um, he is a center and probably only a center, which is not a great thing to be in the year 2020, but super productive, seems to be all about the right things. Um, it's the 30th pick. What else are you getting at this point? I, I, you know, given the way our mock draft unfolded, um, if you're really picking 30th in Boston, um, taking a center prospect might be wise. And Isaiah Stewart's the best one on the, on the board, uh, from my perspective at this point. Yeah, and I and I would argue he he if this is how the board actually unfolded, Isaiah Stewart would end up being more productive for Boston than Jaden McDaniels would be, and he fills an obvious need for them. Um, they can they can upgrade at the center position. Isaiah Stewart is is super productive, maybe not the high high type of floor uh, prospect as Jaden McDaniels, but certainly a guy who will come in and and produce right away. So yeah, love this pick. So that is all 30 picks in the 2020 uh, NBA draft, starting with LaMelo Ball, ending with Isaiah Stewart. 
And so, listen, we both got mock drafts up at CBSSports.com right now. Kyle Boone handles the big board and most of our draft work. So go over there to the NBA homepage and then just – uh you know, find the draft page and everything you could possibly want that is draft related, uh, is, is right there. Cal Boone, thank you for doing this with me. It, uh, it took a little longer than I thought it was going to take. <laughs> As always, that's my fault, but, uh, I appreciate you hanging out and I look forward to talking to you a little later on this week. You got it. Shouts to Devin Downey and shouts to French point guards everywhere. And to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF and Teagle. It's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you guys for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, especially the ones where we break away from the normal format and focus strictly on the NBA draft as opposed to college basketball. Kyle Boone's going to be back with me here later on this week. That will be an episode dedicated strictly to college basketball. So, I believe we're scheduled to record that on Wednesday. Be looking for that on Wednesday afternoon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.